Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. This passage of Scripture, as I mentioned this morning, has been a passage of Scripture that we uh, began dealing with in our uh, Father's Day services, and then uh, we put it on hold for a little while, dealing with some other things that the Lord led us to, And uh, but now we are back in this passage, and we're trying to finish up the thought that uh, the Lord gave us, and we have been in this passage of Scripture concerning the relationship uh, between, or considering the relationship between Abraham. Abraham and Isaac. Verse number two, just one verse in to the passage, the Lord sets up this relationship when he says, and he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Over and over again throughout this chapter, we find the Lord establishing in holy writ the idea of this father-son relationship between Abraham and Isaac. We mentioned this morning how uh, interesting it is that in verse number 2, the Lord did not have to add uh, thy son, thine only son. He did not have to add this idea of the, 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 the son that thou lovest. All he had to say was take Isaac and Abraham would have known uh, what uh, Abraham would have known what God was asking him to do. But the Lord puts these things before him, not arbitrarily, but on purpose and with a purpose. He places this before Abraham's mind to keep this relationship on his mind as he does what God has told him to do. And no doubt what God has told him to do is a very uh, difficult thing. And so we have been looking at this and there as I have talked to folks even this afternoon uh, about this passage and things that God has showed them in this passage. Even here in our congregation no doubt there's so many ways that you could preach this passage. No doubt there's so many truths that you could uh, pull out of this mountaintop, mountain peak of text of Scripture. But here as we come to this passage, we are simply considering what we find in verse number 1, in verse number 7, and in verse number 11, where when Abraham hears from God, when God speaks to Abraham, Abraham's response in verse number 1 is, Behold, here I am. And in verse number 11, when the angel of the Lord, that Verse number 12 identifies as uh, none other than God himself. If you uh, see that, and we saw that this morning, this angel of the Lord being a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Christ here, uh, this angel of the Lord, uh, when that angel speaks to the Lord, or rather speaks to Abraham, excuse me, uh, Abraham responds with, here I am. He said in verse number 1, what the Lord called out to him in verse number 11, Lord, whatever you need from me, I am here. I am available. Amen. And so we talked about the expressions of uh, Abraham being a present father, if you will. Uh, not an absent father, but present in the life of his, uh, in, in his family. And it began not with just being present for his family, but when he says, here I am to the Lord, now he is able to be uh, the dad that he is supposed to be. Amen. Because if our children uh, need 
need anything from us at all. It is the fact that the most, the, the number one thing that they need from us is for us to have a relationship with the Lord and to be surrendered and submissive to what God would have for our lives. So we've been considering the thought, present paternity, when, da when Dad says, here I am. Although we have already seen and even dealt with it this morning about how these thoughts apply to not just dads, but moms and all Christians and all areas of devotion of life. And so uh, we talked about how Abraham was present with his Lord and how the text expresses that to us. But then uh, this morning we began to talk about how Abraham was present with his lad in verse number 7. And we began in verse number 3 right before we concluded this morning talking about how Abraham is there and he is available for his child, for his son when it comes to working. In verse number 3 we dealt with that how Abraham is in verse number in verse number 3 we find him engaging and encouraging his servants and encouraging his son to engage in actions of hard labor and work and how there is nothing wrong with a little bit of hard work every now and again. There's nothing wrong with teaching our children to be hard workers. Amen. And so we see uh, that these uh, uh, lessons are involved in uh, his life. Amen. And as we consider that thought and move uh, further into that this evening as we just, um, just briefly touched on this idea of work this morning, we talked about how a present parent, amen, one that is there for their children spiritually and physically will be teaching their children lessons along the way. Amen. And godly lessons and practical lessons. And so we consider this and see uh, that uh, when it comes to uh, Abraham teaching Isaac about work, he talks to him first of all and teaches him a lesson of promptness. Look at this in verse 3. The Bible says that Abraham rose up early in the morning. I think that most of the generation that is uh, alive today could take a lesson from that. Amen. Abraham rose up early in the morning. By the way, that's a sign of maturity. Amen. We'll see some more about this here in a minute. Don't, don't turn me off there, especially you young people. Amen. But notice this. Abraham rose up early in the morning. And notice this little three-letter word, and, saddled his ass. Notice this. And took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Do you think that God is just being repetitive when he uses that word and over and over and over again? Don't you think God knows what a comma's for? Right. Amen. So why then, if God would know, amen, in an English language, for a God that knows all languages what a comma's for, why would God keep putting in there and, 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 and? I believe that what we find here is a lesson in promptness. Amen. In other words, that and, 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 and tells us that Abraham had a lot on his agenda to do. It kept adding up and adding up and adding up. And Abraham, if he would not have risen up early in the morning, would not have been able to accomplish what he needed to accomplish.
accomplished before the day's end. Amen. And so Abraham had a lot of things that he had to get done before the day was over. He had to do this and he had to do that and he had to do this other thing. Amen. And so these were things that no doubt would take a considerable amount of time and Abraham had to get busy. He had to be prompt about getting started and getting the task that his day demanded done, accomplished while he still had time in the day to do them. One of the reasons I'd say for the laziness seen in our children today is that we have taught them that it is perfectly fine to sleep in late, lounge around, and basically just be a kid and not have any responsibilities or any tasks to accomplish before the day's end. Abraham here is telling, is teaching his son by his own action and even by him compelling his son uh, to join with him in these actions. Amen. That there's some things in life that are important enough that you need to get an early start for. There's time, there, there, have, there are things that we must do and responsibilities that we must undertake and tasks that we must engage in that are of importance and you must make preparation. Amen. To get the things done that need to be done. Abraham is teaching his son how to work. He's teaching him how to labor. By the way, amen, it is important, amen, to teach your child, amen, spiritual things, but even some things that we see as only physical things are spiritual too. Do you realize that teaching your child how to be a hard worker on the physical front is a very spiritual thing? The Bible has a lot to say about our labor. The Bible has a lot to say about someone being lazy and being slothful. The Bible has a lot to say about someone, amen, that wants to just lounge around and not ever do anything. The Bible has a lot to say about productivity, amen. Do you know that God expects His children uh, to be productive members of His kingdom, to be productive servants of His, amen, and these things that Abraham is being present for, to teach his child for, by the way, or Ian, amen, these things that Abraham as a present father is instilling in his children in his physical life will bode well for Isaac in his spiritual life. Amen. When we teach our children that it's okay to be lazy in our house, we're also teaching them, amen, without even thinking about it many times, that it's okay to be lazy on God. Laziness, amen, is something that is okay when we don't teach our children to work hard and to have priorities, amen, and to be prompt about doing what you need to do, amen. Many of this nation's children enter into college or even adulthood living on their, living on their own, away from mom and dad's rules, roof and routine, and find themselves drowning under the weight of the responsibilities and tasks that they never can seem to get done because they never learn how to be prompt and they never learn how to begin early and they never learn how to work diligently and they never learn how to accomplish tasks before the last minute. Amen. And that's why we're raising a generation of procrastinators who never really advance very far in life because they don't have the work ethic to be respected in, the, in an adult world world. Amen. Abraham is teaching practical uh, lessons in doing so. He is there for his son. He teaches him a lesson of promptness. But in his work he also teaches him a lesson of provision. Look at verse 3 again. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. Notice this. And saddled his ass. 
and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Now, uh, you, can, you can debate me on this if you want to, and that's fine. We, we can have a difference of opinion on this. Amen. But when I read this passage, amen, I don't believe that when it talks about the, 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 the claving of the wood, talks about uh, splitting the wood for the burnt offering and rising up and going to the place that God had told Abraham of, I don't think that Abraham is doing these things alone. I believe if you, and by the way, if you read it the way that it's written, you would almost be tempted to think that. But if you study further, amen, just like the claving of the burnt offering, the Bible says that that same group is the group that's rising up. That same group is the group that's going out. That same group is the one that went unto the place which the Lord had told him. And a few verses later, we find that the group that's taking this journey is not just Abraham by himself, but it's his two servants. And it is his son as well. Amen. And so I personally believe that all of these things mentioned in verse number three, amen, from the time that Abraham takes his son and his young men uh, with him, uh, takes two of his young men and his son with him, amen, I believe that those following tasks are being done together. And I believe we see that. But when we look at verse number three, the saddling the ass, the cleaving the wood, if they are something that is done uh, together, amen, that means that part of this story that we are reading before us this evening shows Abraham, his servants and his sons doing a work of preparation for the tasks that they have at hand. Here we find Isaac engaged in the tasks that his father has laid out for him. Now this is going to probably sound a little bit harsh, but I believe the text teaches us this this evening. Amen. I remind you, amen, especially you young people this evening, the Bible here is showing Isaac being engaged in the tasks that his father laid out for him. I, we don't ever find Isaac creating his own schedule. You know why? Isaac's still living at home. Isaac is still under the authority of his father. We don't find him doing what he wants to do. Amen. And if you study this passage, you'll see that because all throughout this passage, in particular in verse number three, I'll mention this briefly, although we see it throughout this chapter. Amen. I believe it is interesting when the Bible says that they collectively claimed the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went in the place which God had told him. There's a group that's on the journey, but there is only a single individual that had heard a message from God. There's only one individual that had been given instructions, and now the rest of the group is following in on the instructions that God had given to Abraham. In other words, what tab is these tasks, amen, that he's engaged in are tasks that his father had said would fill his day, amen. These were the tasks that he had been engaged in from the earliest part of the day, Isaac willingly submitted to and gave all of himself to doing these tasks. I'll say this for a child still living at home. It doesn't matter what you want to do. Uh, amen. Whether you want to do what your parents ask you to do or not. It doesn't matter what else you feel like you have going on in your day that day. If your parents have tasks lined up for your day, your tasks are to be those tasks that they have chosen until you're finished with those tasks. Amen. Then you can have tasks of your own. Amen. 
Amen. Your task should only be considered after you have fulfilled your role in the task that have been laid out for you. Parents, there is nothing wrong with expecting your children to not only have tasks, but to take care of, to, to expect them to take care of preparing for the tasks that are needed in the home. There's nothing wrong with that. I think one of the sad things in our generation is we're raising young people with no responsibilities. They don't have they don't have chores, they don't have tasks, they don't have anything, amen, to do. Amen. And I believe it's healthy for a young person to work. I think it's healthy for them to work in the home, to learn what responsibility feels like, learn what being commanded feels like. Amen. Learning how to submit yourself to the will of another in a task that you may not want to be engaged in. And I know this is simple preaching tonight, but I'll say this once you get on the job, your boss don't care whether you want to do it or not. You'll submit to somebody. I think it would do you well to learn to submit to somebody that loves you, amen, before you begin to submit to somebody who doesn't care whether you stay or not. Amen and amen. I'll say this, if you have work to do, amen, don't do all of the parents, don't do all of the preparing by yourself. Expect your children to be making provision for the days of duties as well. You say, preacher, why are you mentioning these things? I see it in the text, just Abraham being a dad, Abraham being a parent, Abraham being present for his children by teaching him practical things that he'll need to learn and succeed in life. It is interesting to note that Abraham while he, over time, could have performed these tasks by himself. I understand Abraham's an older man. I understand he's up in age. But no matter how old you are, amen, you give a man long enough, he can accomplish any task as long as he has uh, long enough to do it. Amen. Take his time. Go at his own energy level. Amen. He could have done this by himself if he wanted to. I also find uh, this amazing, amen, that Abraham here, he not only could have done this by himself, Amen. God, God did call him to take this journey. If God called him to take this journey, he must have thought that Abraham would be, would be amen, able to accomplish this task. But I find it interesting Abraham didn't do this alone. We do not find him engaging in these tasks alone. He takes, again, the Bible uses the word take. It gives an idea of forcefulness without a choice, a command. The Bible says in verse number 3 that he took two of his young men with him. Most Bible commentators will tell you these were servants of Abraham. He takes these two servants and he takes his son without get, letting them give their, their opinion of whether they want to do it or not. And the Bible says he takes them and employs them in doing the tasks of the day. Now let me say this. I find this interesting. Not only could Abraham have done this by himself, but Abraham also has two servants that he could have had do this, these tasks. God just said, get your son to the, into the land of Moriah and sacrifice them there. God never once told Abraham that he had to be the one chopping the wood. Abraham could have had his servants do it. But he has his servants doing it. He has his son doing it. And more than all of that, here we find an aged Abraham out there cleaving wood as well. He has, I don't know how many of us, amen, if I had a myriad of servants, wouldn't say, well, it's what I have servants for. 
Amen. Especially chopping wood. Remember, I mentioned this morning where you don't have a wood splitter, but you are the wood splitter. Amen. I'd much rather put that off on some servants. We don't find Abraham doing that. Amen. Why? Abraham's a hard worker. Abraham believes in teaching his son. I would not be surprised at all to get to heaven and find out the re one of the reasons why Abraham, I do believe there's a spiritual element to this. Amen. I do believe that Abraham did not want to take anything and offer to God that Abraham had not worked for. I believe that wholeheartedly, but I would not be surprised to get to heaven and find out the reason why an aged Abraham was out there, amen, chopping wood is because he wanted to teach his boy how to do it and to show his boy that even though you get old, amen, even though you get feeble, it does not cause, yes, you should not, uh, amen, uh, it does not give you a reason to be lazy and to lounge around even if you have servants, amen. I believe where he's teaching here uh, promptness, but he's also teaching provision. If there's something that you need to do, you make sure you have all that you need to accomplish the task at hand. We're living in a day where people don't have foresight. We're living in a day where people don't prepare for life. But yet we find this here in the text. We see Abraham present in his son's life when it comes to working. But then number two, I want you to see this. We see Abraham present in his son's life when it comes to walking. Look here with me in the text. Look at verse number four. I believe we find we do find him in verse number four. He is, uh, the Bible talks about that journey. Verse three even begins where it says he went unto the place toward the end of the verse of which God had told him. Verse number four, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder. Amen. That place afar off and worship and come again to you. Amen. Verse six, we still can see them continuing on that journey until they arrive at the place. Amen. We see him, them making this journey, walking to their destination together. Amen. I believe this speaks, uh, gives us lessons concerning life and our life's journey. Amen. Let me say this on their walk. I believe Abraham teaches his son a lesson in perseverance or a lesson in persistence. Think about this, verse number four. I've mentioned this several times about this third day. But the Bible here says that then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Even after three days of journeying, their destination was still afar off. Amen. This journey was a journey. <coughs> Amen. That was hard and long. Amen. That, 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 but yet we still see here Abraham and Isaac after they leave the, uh, after they leave these young men. Amen. And they go to the place that God has led them of. The Bible says that they go together and there's a even after three days there's still a journey. Yet we still find both father and son having persevered and being persistent. Amen. Abraham as an old man is not giving up and quitting just because the road from home to the land of Moriah was hard and difficult and caused strain upon his body. Isaac as a young man is not giving up and he's not quitting. Abraham must have already instilled in his son a, 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 the value of being persistent. The value of, of persevering in life must have taught him to not quit, to not throw up uh, 
uh, not throw in the towel. He must have taught him how to follow instructions exactly as they are given to him. And amen. To, uh, for, uh, to accomplish the things that they've set uh, forth to accomplish. We find in these verses no mention of Abraham nor Isaac in complaining about the hard road. Complaining about the long road and the hard tasks. We do not find either of them in complaint. We do not find, amen, either one of them being a quitter. But we do find both of them having a no giving up spirit. Amen. And I believe in all of this we have seen Abraham has learned in his life how not to quit. And he's passed that on to his son. And now he is teaching his son, amen, or must have at some point in time prior to this taught him how to endure without complaint. You say, preacher, why is that important? Because there are things in life that you and I are going to have to endure. There are going to be times that we're not going to enjoy everything that comes to us in life. But we are going to have to uh, grit our teeth a little bit and endure. Amen. And God wants us to endure without complaint. Amen. If you've got hard things that you're dealing with, amen, it's not God's will that you be a complainer and a whiner and always have some kind of negative thing to say about the path. But you, that if you're saved, that you must at least admit that God allows you to be put in. Amen. I'd hate to complain about somewhere God has me in life, although we all do from time to time. Amen. It's easier to complain than to remember that this is the path that God has chosen for us. I think about how Abraham has at some point in time taught, had, had to have taught his son to endure without complaint. I remember my one of my friends, this church knows and loved, Dr. Stan Wardlaw. He used to, to preach on the word patience in the Bible. And this is Brother Daniel, this is the way that he would endure when the Bible talks about running our race with patience and things of that nature. Amen. All the different times the biblical word patience is used. He would define it this way. He would say biblical patience is it is uh, it is cheerful endurance in other words endurance without complaint to endure with a smile is a biblical term for patience and the Bible does tell us that he wants us to run the race before us with patience. The Bible tells us that Jesus did the same. So I'd see this in Abraham's life. I'll say this, if we are to create children, amen, that when things get hard, amen, that, that do not quit, we must not quit. If we're going to create children, amen, that do not complain when things get hard, then we must not complain. If we are going to have children, that will continue on. Guess what you and I as moms and dads and as people who are influential in the lives of even maybe even other Christians will have to continue on. Amen. You want to help somebody draw closer to the Lord you make sure that you do not cause them to be sidetracked in their spiritual journey by quitting and giving up or complaining throughout everything that God puts us in. In our day our young people are being taught that it's okay to just give things up when it gets hard to quit if you don't like what you're doing. If they experience any kind of resistance or difficulty. Amen. They're being taught that there's no need to endure the difficulty. Amen. There's no need to push through. There's no need. And dear brother from Rhode Island, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before, but here in the South, amen, we use this to have a little grit in your crawl. 
Amen. Amen. To have a little bit of have a little bit of tenacity about you. Amen. Amen. To just keep going. Amen. They're not hearing those things. They're being encouraged. Well, baby, if you don't like it, you can just stop doing it. You can just quit. You can just give up. Amen. I believe we need to instill in our children the same no giving up spirit that Abraham lived in front of his son. And no doubt for it being portrayed in the life of this young man had to have instilled in him in days gone by. Amen. I believe it is due to this kind of attitude that we have so many people becoming adults in this generation who have no clue how to work hard or to handle those moments when life gets hard. Only when parents, especially dads, get to the place where they will be present in their child's life to teach them this vital lesson concerning perseverance and persistence will we ever see a change in the current reality and state of our young people. He teaches him a lesson concerning work, and he teaches him a lesson uh, concerning walking. He teaches him a lesson of perseverance and persistence in his walk, but also in his walk. We see Abraham, and this, this is one of the ones that God spoke to me about in a special way. God here through Abraham uh, shows us that Abraham teaches his son Isaac in his walk, in his life's journey, a lesson in partnership. Not just persistence, not just uh, uh, perseverance, but a lesson in partnership. You say, preacher, where in the world does that come from in these verses? Look at verse 3 again. The Bible said, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Now, verse 3, the Bible uses this phrase. He, he says, uh, he says here uh, that he uh, it talks about it, and I, it says in verse number 3 and Abraham rose up early in the morning saddled his ass and took two of his young men here's the phrase I was looking for with him and then it says and Isaac his son including Isaac in the with Abraham there's a partnership they're going together they're going in unity look at verse 6 the Bible says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and the knife. And notice this phrase, And they went both of them together. There's a partnership. Look at verse 8. The Bible says in verse 8, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. God wants us to understand that what they're doing, they're doing together. Abraham and Isaac are not at odds. I'll say this. Isaac is not having to get one spanking on the way. They're together. The Bible goes on to talk about their togetherness. Verse 9 say, uses this phrase in verse number 9. And they, they collectively, together, they came to the place uh, which God had told him of. Verse number 19 says, they rose up and went together to Beersheba. On the beginning of this journey, they're together. During the middle of this journey, they're together. And even after Abraham has, has made the attempt to slay his son. And Isaac saw that and still came off of the altar. Guess where they still are? They're together. 
they're unified. Now, I cannot explain that to you. I can make an attempt to, but I can't necessarily explain to you in my uh, experiential knowledge if I would be on the same page as someone that just was ready to plunge a knife into me. But the Bible says here that even after all of that, they're still together. There's a partnership mentioned here. Each of these is a lesson in partnership, a lesson of togetherness. The idea of them being together is seen throughout these verses. The word together means in agreement or in unity. Isaac knew that he and his dads were, think about this dads, Isaac knew that he and his dad were partners walking through life together. Everywhere they're going, they're going together. The journey before, during, and after, they're going together. Think about this. I would say this must have been a lesson that Isaac had already learned about his dad, but now we see it displayed in our text as they walk together on this journey to Mount Moriah. It seems that Isaac fully understood that his father was a partner that taught, and he was a partner that took. In other words, his dad would teach him lessons in life, and then Isaac would learn what was taught and would use those lessons in life for whatever need those lessons would, the, the need of those lessons would arise in. Isaac knew that if he's going to learn, he's going to learn from his dad. Remember, I mentioned this morning how that Hebrew word for father that, I, that Isaac uses in verse number 7 literally implies the fact that you are the strength of our home. Isaac readily admits, Dad, you're, you are what gives my life strength, firmness, so, uh, solidity. Uh, 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 and you, you, give it, you give it a foundation, if you will, with your teachings, with, with, your, with your walk with the Lord, no doubt. Isaac knew that his dad was a partner that he could trust in his life to be there for, them, for him. As I mentioned verse number 7 and how this tells us about how Abraham was there for his son. Look at verse 7 with me. The Bible says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said unto him, My father. And he said, Abraham said, Here am I, my son. In other words, I'm here. Whatever you need. And I'll say this. I believe that when, Ab when Isaac looks up at Abraham and he begins to talk to him, he says, my father. And then he proceeds after Abraham responds with uh, the question, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I believe that Isaac is letting Abraham know that he would be there for him. He would be a present father that he could trust in their partnership when it came to conversations. Isaac here had a question. Isaac here had something he was wondering, and he began a conversation with his dad about it. He knew, if anybody's a partner in life for me, it's my dad. Can I ask you this this evening? And I believe we can apply this in different ways in our Christian life. We can apply this to moms and dads and other things. But I'll say this, dads, how many of your children know that they can say, I'm not talking about mama. I think there's not probably not a child in this world that knows that if they need to, they can sit down and talk to mama. But how many of our children can know that they can sit down with dad and dad is, is free enough to talk to them about whatever they need? 
I'm telling you, I want to be a dad that my children are comfortable coming to me. I'm, I'm sad to say that I believe that most of the fathers in our day are so busy providing physically that they're not there to provide the conversations about emotional and mental and spiritual things that their children need. If you had a dad that's willing to sit and talk and let you pour out your heart and try to give godly wisdom, you're a blessed person. Isaac knew this about his dad. He knew that he's my partner in conversation. But I'll say this as well, and I think this is even more perplexing, Brother Cody. He knew that Isaac, and Isaac knew that his dad would be his partner in confusion. Think about this. Why is, Abraham, why is Isaac rather bringing up this conversation? He's confused. He needs an answer. Notice what he says. He says, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and, 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 uh, and said, My father, and he, Abraham, said, Here am I, my son. Look at, verse, look at verse number 7 as it continues. And he, Isaac, said, Behold, the fire and the wood. I see fire, and I see wood. I see these things. Those things make sense to me. But where is the lamb? For a burnt offering. Abraham, or Isaac here rather, is perplexed. He's confused. And he knows in moments of confusion, if there is anyone there for him in confusion, it's going to be his dad. If anyone has the answers, dad's going to have the answers. Here, the Hebrew word for where. Is it takes that word that we mentioned, and I defined in the first time we were in this passage in verse in uh, verse number two, where the Bible said, and He said, "Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest." The word love is, remember I told you, is a Hebrew word that carries with it a word picture of a father uh, with his uh, pointing and giving direction to a child or to something of great importance to him, something that he does not deserve. And he with his hands raised is drawing attention to others to view how wonderful this thing is. And that shows the heart of a parent. See this child. I don't deserve this child. It's describing his love that he wants others to know how precious and wonderful this child is and I don't deserve it but I love it that much those hands that are raised toward heaven appealing for others to come and observe this great thing in their child to behold and also giving God praise the word where here takes that Hebrew word for love is, and it slightly alters it and takes those directional hands from being lifted toward the heavens to pointing at a location in other words, when Isaac said, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? He is asking Abraham, Dad, point out the lamb to me. The lamb's supposed to be here. I know how this works. You need fire. You need wood. You need a lamb to have a sacrifice. We have fire. We have wood. But we don't have the lamb. Daddy, we can't go and worship without the lamb. Would you point the lamb out to me? Where is the lamb? It shows us his confusion. How he knows that his dad would be there even in a moment of confusion. In other words, 
what we find here is the fact that Isaac is asking this question means, number one, that even as a young man, he had a personal knowledge of burnt offerings. He knew what the preparation for a burnt offering looked like. He knew what a sacrifice looked like. He knew what worship looked like. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Even as a young person, because of his father, his son already knew what worship looked like. He knew the ingredients of worship. Isaac knew what it took to worship God. And can I get a good hearty amen when I say this? What do you need to worship God? Isaac said, there's one thing missing, the lamb. There's a lot of churches today that are trying to have what they call worship services without the lamb. Isaac, as a young man, knew better than that. You can't worship without Jesus. You can't can't worship God without the Son of God. If the lamb is missing from your worship, you're not worshiping. Isaac, as a young man, knew this. And because he had a dad who was present with the Lord and was present in his life as a lad, he knew what worship worship looked like. Amen. Amen. Even as a young man, Isaac knew when the lamb was missing. His father had raised him to know the value of the lamb, to know how important the lamb was, to know how to recognize the lamb, and to know when it's missing from worship. Let me ask you this. Have we taught our children how to be able to spot when the lamb's missing? Have we put them around enough worship services, amen, where the lamb's present, amen, for them to be able to tell when the lamb's missing, amen? I'll say this, I did not gain that knowledge from my parents. But thank God I did have a godly pastor and Brother Joey Wampler that put me around enough Holy Ghost fire Put me around the cross, the wood, amen. amen. Put me around Holy Ghost services to where when I show up in a service and the Lamb's not there, I know it. Amen. I've said this before, and I make no hesitation to say it again. My boy has known nothing but church. My two boys have known nothing but church. There's sometimes it's hard for me to get Wyatt to calm down at church because he's at church so much. It's so familiar to him. It's almost an extension of home to him. But here's what I want for my children and all of you parents in here with children. Here's what I want for your children. I want want God's presence to be so real in this place. I want the presence of the Holy Ghost to be so real. I want our our young people to know what the Lamb looks like in church, to know what it sounds like. Amen. It'll sound a lot like heaven when the the God of the house is at home. Amen. And I want my son, amen, when he hears shouting in church and worship in church, to not jump, to not be worried, to not be scared. But I want him, when he, if he ever finds his way somehow accidentally into a dead church, dead worship where there's no worship and there's no lamb and there's no red-faced preacher preaching the Word of God and preaching people out of hell and trying to preach people in, into heaven. Amen. Yes, sir, brother. 
Here's what I want. If he ever somehow finds a way into a church that doesn't have that, for him to say, what in the world is wrong with these people? Don't they, don't they know that church sounds like this and church looks like this and church feels like this? When the Lamb is involved in your worship, you'll know what it looks like. You'll know what it sounds like. Amen. You'll know what it feels like. Isaac knew and he knew it because he had a dad that was present in his life enough to help him with, amen, his life to the point to where, to with his spiritual life to the point when the lamb's missing, he knew it, and it was confusing to him. Now let me say this. Do your children know when the lamb's missing? If the lamb is missing in your shelter, in your home, can they tell? If the lamb's missing in your speech, can they tell? If the lamb's missing in my sermons or in a sermon of another preacher that comes in here, would they ever be able to tell? If the lamb's missing in our singing, can they tell? Have you put your children around the things of God enough? If the lamb's missing, they'll know. Well, we have this, this element of worship, and we have that element of worship. But Isaac said, the number one thing you need is missing. It's hard to have a burnt offering without something to burn, without a, without a lamb. He was confused by that. And he knew in his confusion who he could go to. And you say, preacher, why would that be? Notice Abraham's response here. He's noticed Abraham's response. And I'm going to have to be done. I've been preaching 47 minutes. I'm, I have to be done. I'm telling you, I love this text. Let me tell you what my wife told me this afternoon. She told me, to, she told me I could tell you. This afternoon, I'm going to preach that thought here in just a minute. I'm not going to forget. If I do, I've got notes up there to remind me. But I, well, on the way home this afternoon, we were driving down the road, and uh, my, we were talking about what we had to do this afternoon after we had lunch and everything. We were headed home, and I, I said, she said, well, what are, you, what are you planning on doing this afternoon? And I said, well, I've got work to do. She said, you better not be working on your sermon. She said, you've done enough work on your sermon. You're not allowed to work on that sermon anymore. <laughs> amen. She said, you better not work on that. Amen. We've already been in here four weeks. You Amen. Four services. You better not. Amen. Y'all pray for me. She's hard on me. Amen. But she's about, to have my, she's about to have my third child and does a good job with them. So I'll let her slip every once in a while. Amen. Look, look here in verse number seven with me. The Bible said, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I ask this question. Why would Isaac know wholeheartedly that his dad is someone that would be his partner in life? Be there for him, be present with him, even in moments of confusion. Because he had a dad who in, the mo in moments of confusion would answer his questions this way. And if I'll say this, if you ever had a dad or a granddad or someone in your life, amen, that answered spiritual questions this way, you're a, you're a blessed person. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 8. When, when Isaac said, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, and I'm going to pause this verse in half. He said, my son, God will. Amen. What a powerful answer to give your children 
when, they, when there's confusion in their life, especially about spiritual things. Abraham here is speaking from a position of confidence in his God. Abraham is close enough to the Lord that he's able to tell his son what he knows God will do. In other words, he's been around God enough that he has seen how God acts and how God responds. He's been around the Lord enough to know what God will do. And in a moment, amen, where there does not seem to be a lamb and Isaac's confused about it, Abraham says, my son, God will. He's able to give his son confidence in what God will do and what God can do. Abraham speaks to his son with a knowledge of God and a confidence in what God will do. Let me ask you this question, Dad. When was the last time you told your children, my son or my child, God will? I know this is what God will do. Notice he said, but God will provide. You know, there's no word in the Hebrew language for the word provide. The word they always use to indicate a provision is the word see or cause to see. In other words, when, God, when Abraham says, my son, God will provide, he is saying that God will cause us to see, to perceive, or have the ability to view a, a lamb. God's going to bring a lamb into our presence, and we are going to see it. What confidence Abraham has in God. What assurance this must have given to his child. I'll close with this question tonight. Can God and our children trust us to give them spiritual assurances in their times of confusion? Can our children, or I'll even say this tonight, not just our children, but can, can anyone that has spiritual questions come to you for spiritual assurances. If anybody's going to know, Brother Daniel will know. Can they, and I'm not asking you to answer out loud. Brother Daniel, you search your heart. You're, you, you go to school in a, in a place. It's not, it's not a Christian college. Probably not even very friendly to Christians a lot of times. But can those that see some light in you come to you and say, if I have a question, I know I can find a spiritual answer and a spiritual assurance from Daniel. Can your wife come to you, husband? Can your children come to you, mom and dad? Amen. Preacher, can others come to you, child of God? Can others come to you and realize that you're going to be able to tell them what God will do because you have a relationship with Him enough that you've learned what God does today, what God does, has done in the past, what God is doing now, and you can tell them with confidence, this is the kind of God that I have, and I know what God will do. Can they say that? I'm telling you, there's so, many, there's so many practical lessons in this passage, but I must conclude there this evening. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.